We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 8 DraftKings picks and preview at each position. If you out there want to play in the best event on DraftKings, the best tournament there is, join the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open. Link is in the description of this video and podcast. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, flat payouts, min cash, double your money. If you want to sustain your bankroll and you still want to play tournaments, not cash games, because you do want some upside, you should play in the Pat Mayo Experience Open. Spots are filling very quickly, only 3,000 spots this week. I believe there's like 2,400 gone as we're filming right now, so get on that right now. Even if you don't fill out a team, just reserve your spot, watch the show, then go fill out your team. Or you, what you can do is go to ftndaily.com. You can use the free tools that are up there right now. There's a bunch of awesome free tools. They're also in the description. But if you want the premium tools, including the ownership projections, the optimizer, the shadow index, wide receiver versus cornerback matchups, that you got to pay for. Those are the premium tools. But code Mayo will get you a discount on all of that. I highly recommend you check that out. Smash the like button for the video. Give me your favorite sleeper under 5K this week on DraftKings. But I do want to bring in of ftnfantasy.com, of ftndaily.com, of ftndata.com, of ftnbets.com. The guy is like making all these tools. Jeff Radcliffe, what's up, man? Not much, man. That's, yeah, it's quite an introduction. There's a, a lot going on in the FTN world today, which we're super proud of, man. We've, we haven't even opened for four months at this point. We've rolled out a website that if you literally went there today, you'd have no clue. You'd think we've been around for years and it's just a testament to the team it's a testament to obviously you, Pat. It's a testament to Brad Evans, to Kevin Adams, to Elliot Chris, to everybody else there. If you haven't gotten in on it, get in on it now. Even if you, hey, I get it. Some people don't want to pay to play. I get it. It's 2020. I understand. 
But the free tools, the air yards, the red zone report, the offensive and defensive line stuff, just go check out the website. Yeah, and you can find all of that in the descriptions, links to those specific tools, the free tools. They will say free next to them in the description, so no harm to go check that out. If you want to dip your toe, like I said, into the premium stuff, Code Mayo is what you want to do to get yourself that discount. The way that I always try to tell people about the site, I mean, the advice behind the paywall and in front of the paywall, really, is really excellent, but... Like we, I did with Fantasy National as it turned to golf stats, like one of the reasons that I helped create Fantasy National is because I was sick of fucking having like 21 tabs open at the top of my screen. Like I need to go to this site for this stat and this site for this stat. This yeah. is what I need in one spot. I want to research football. I want to look stuff up. I just go to ftndaily.com or one of the FTN sites, doesn't matter which one it is, FTN Fantasy, FTN Bets, and I don't need to leave the site. It's perfect. It really is. I, I was there too. I was there for many years. And what I ended up doing selfishly is I just started creating my own tools. You know, I started creating Microsoft Excel tools. And I know not, a lot of people don't want to do that. You know, it, it can be a pain in the butt. But now the beauty, and this was one of the reasons why I, I made this move. You know, I talked to these guys behind the scenes for a while and I say, hey guys, I have a lot of tools. And they say, okay, bring them on. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But I have a lot of tools and they said, okay, bring them on. We will get them on the site. And we have, we've gotten them up on the site. So it's really awesome. I agree with Pat 100%. You don't have to go elsewhere. And, and that's the beauty to it. Yeah, the convenience fee uh, is well worth it. Cause you know, having multiple tabs, it slows down your computer. It sucks. Everyone knows that. Let's talk about DraftKings for week eight. We'll start with the running back position. If you go to the very top, you will see Elvin. Kamara as the most expensive running back this week. He's at Chicago, a tough-ish matchup, but with Michael Thomas expected to be yet again, penciling in for like, I don't know, 80 catches or something like that. Who's the better play if you're going to go to the top, Kamara or Henry, who's $200 cheaper? Oh, that's tough because you you do bring up the, the PPR cheat code. When Michael Thomas doesn't play, and it's not just Michael Thomas, it's Emmanuel Sanders as well. It just opens up. Breeze is going to look to him. Now, we saw Marquez Callaway get 10 targets last week. I think that was a little bit of an anomaly. And let's be clear, Chicago's defense on the outside, really good. Jalen Johnson's playing at an impressive level for a rookie. This kid has nine pass breakups already this year. And Kyle Fuller is holding his own on the other side, just over 10 yards per catch. So I think there is a lot of Camara here. And when you're talking about DK, those points start to really add up. You know, even if it's not a massive yardage day as a receiver. So like, say he has nine for 50. It's still an extra nine you know, points uh, that he adds there. I think Derrick Henry absolutely smashes the Cincinnati run defense, giving up over five yards per carry. But I do lean Kamara just slightly, uh, and it, it really comes down to that PPR work. I mean, what's Henry going to have if you're lucky? Two catches, for potentially negative yards like he did last week. I'd rather just go with Kamara here with the super high floor, high floor, high ceiling combination. The issue with Kamara is that he's tough to stack in this game. He's sort of a one-off player because who else are you really going to play from that game? Maybe Callaway if you're buying into it, but like you mentioned on the outside, it's going to be a bit more difficult for these Saints receivers to get open this time around now that they're not playing Carolina. And if I look at the Cincinnati Titans game, I do like a stack in that game, but I think the most popular stack is going to be Burrow with Boyd, and or Higgins and or Green and bring it back with Derrick Henry. That just seems very logical. And that's where you're going to end up spending your money that I think that game is more stackable. And I think more people will end up going to Henry because of that. I am really having a hard time deciding. Plus, if you go back and look at last week, and this is a bit of an anomaly that if you just paid down at running back for all the goobers who were filling in for people at like the min price, that's how you won. Yeah. 
it definitely is. And there's still a lot of moving parts there. You know, we can't bank on Aaron Jones even playing this week, especially given the the medical staff. And we saw with Devontae Adams, right? Devontae Adams is like, I guess I don't know my body. He was ready to play. And the medical staff, the most conservative medical staff in the league says, nah, bro, you're not ready. So that could be the case with Aaron Jones. We'll, we'll see what the practice reports have to say. But Jamal Williams, not as cheap as he was last week, but still somebody you could potentially pay down. I mean, what he's uh, over $2,000, $2,100 cheaper than Alvin Kamara. So yeah, if you pay down in some situations, it may actually be wise fading some of these top guys this week. You mentioned that stackability. That is the tricky part when, when you look at uh, game stack. There's not much in that Chicago game. I expect the Chicago defense is going to hold Drew Brees in check. I think on the other side, with no Allen Robinson potentially here with the concussion, what do you like there, Darnell Mooney? Like, do we do a Kamara Darnell Mooney stack? I know everybody in Tulane is excited about that, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's tough to stack in that contest. So the rest of the expensive running backs, once we go down, Dalvin Cook is expected to return against the Packers. There's weird weather with that game. That uh, Brad has always, you know, Brad, professional meteorologist with his you know background. That's actually his background. If people don't know, uh, it's the wind. The wind is going to be the biggest factor when you're trying to project an NFL game and if that's actually going to have an impact it's supposed to be like close to freezing temperatures and like 35 plus mile per hour winds at least right now once we get to Sunday we'll see how that ends up coming so that could lean a shift towards the running game which could mean more Dalvin Cook but coming off like a soft tissue injury can't imagine playing in like the freezing cold is great so that kind of worries me Jones you mentioned may or may not play with this calf injury Kareem Hunt could be one of the final weeks that we get without Nick Chubb and where he is severely underperformed based on what the expectations were for him coming into this. That is there the potential here that, you know, without Odell Beckham, everyone, oh, Baker looks so great. I want to play all these cheap rounds that maybe Hunt is just the way to go. I, I love Kareem Hunt in this matchup. And, it, and it's not just the the matchup itself. I mean, the Raiders have struggled against the run this season. There's no doubt about it. They're one of the better matchups on, on the board. But it's the potential for a true three down out of uh, Hunt that, that is really appealing to me. So Ernest Johnson, that was, it was nice for the, the week that, that uh, Chubb got hurt. But otherwise, he's been a non-factor. And he was almost essentially not used last week. So you get a guy who could have 15-plus carries, but then also could chip in three, four, five, six catches. I mean, it depends on how the game script works out. A lot of people do think that Vegas stays in this one. <sighs> I, you know, I, we're not going to talk about Derek Carr just yet. I'm not fully buying in on all of that. Uh, the the, the two-week Nelson Aguilar hype that seems to be happening right now. I think this one sets up really well for Kareem Hunt. And in fact, Pat, that's where I've been starting this week is I'm starting with Kareem Hunt and then sort of building from there in, in a lot of my builds. So I, I love him. I love him this matchup. Well, if you start with Kareem Hunt at 6,900, you can go Hunt, Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs if you really wanted to and take three 6k running backs and not be completely out of money if you want one of these cheaper stacks I don't hate that because I think those are definitely my three favorite guys in the six thousand dollar range and I think there's um there's game stack potential too if you want to pay up at tight end because we know what the the Raiders want to do they want to and this is another reason why I'm not super high on Aguilar they want to do two things they want to run through Josh Jacobs and they want to throw through Darren Waller but Darren Waller, let's face it, he's a, he's a big slot receiver. He's not a tight end, and he is their best wide receiver. So paying up on the other side for Darren Waller and possibly getting in on both sides of that matchup is, I think, a pretty good idea. And in what could be a surprisingly high-scoring game, we've seen some of these games with the Browns just 
exceed expectations from a fantasy point standpoint, including last week. So I don't mind that at all. Uh, would you have any interest in Mixon if he comes back? And if not, like, do you just roll out Geo again at a pretty good price? I don't think he comes back. And, and really where this, this boils down to is the initial report was week to week. Then you have Zach Taylor changing the narrative, but uh, saying, ah, he's day to day. Zach, when has Zach Taylor ever told us the truth? Yeah, AJ Green's going to play next week, I swear. I swear it'll, it'll be next week. I mean, that's all we got from him last year. So I don't buy it. I think Giovanni Bernard is a rock-solid play. You know, we saw in four games before last week, he was averaging 19.4 DK points without Joe Mixon. So it was just four games, small sample size, but basically he was saying, hey, I'm a value every single time I play without Mixon. And then he exceeded expectations on that last week. So yeah, I, I think there is a value in paying down for him in a contest where, you know, they could be leaning on him. And the beauty is it's not just in the run game where he has no competition, but they also lean on him. Pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, really good pass pro back and a sweet, sweet, sweet mustache. Yeah. The, I mean, he kind of looks like Lando, but at the same time, it's like bordering on a Thompson, not a Tom Selleck, like a Burt Reynolds mustache from smoking the bandit. So it's, it's, Pretty high-level stuff. And I, I like that they've yeah. updated the pitcher to actually reflect this. So if Mixon plays, they're probably both unplayable. If Mixon doesn't play, you can definitely play Geo. It's it's sort of like the Jamal Williams kind of situation. Do you think that A.J. Dillon gets any more run this week? Was that like a one-week aberration where we're like, oh, we don't know how the backfield is going to turn out without Aaron Jones? It could be a split. It could be A.J. Dillon. And then it turns out it was just all Jamal Williams that maybe they stepped back from that a little bit this week. I, I don't think I think that's what we're gonna see. Uh, I think it's all Jamal Williams. Maybe AJ Dillon ends up being Matt Lafleur's uh, Derrick Henry in the long term. Maybe they look back and they say, "What have we done with the 2020 NFL draft? <laughs> Drafting Jordan Love. I mean, it's got to feel bad when you look on the other side and you're seeing, you know, you need a wide receiver, and then you see Justin Jefferson. Not just it's not just a fantasy thing with Jefferson. This guy is playing great football for the Vikings as a rookie. He's everything he was billed as coming out of LSU and more. We were worried about the athletic concerns. He goes out, he just lights up the combine. You know, he's a high character kid, just everything you want. And now Packers don't have that. They have Devontae Adams, which is good, but nothing else. But yeah, I don't think AJ Dillon is going to be much more than a handful of carries and and a cloud of dust for for the Packers this week. If if Jones doesn't go, it's going to be the Jamal Williams show yet again. Who do you see Jair Alexander ending up on in this Vikings game? Is it going to be Thielen, or do you think he'll end up on Jefferson? Well, it was Thielen in week one. It'll be Thielen again this week. And Thielen did get the better of him. He had uh, you know over 66 yards on four catches and a touchdown. But over the last three games that he has shadowed, Jair has done a really nice job. I mean, holding, uh, you know, Will Fuller to zero catches. Mike Evans in that mix with zero catches. Jair is not quite an elite corner. And, and I, I, if you're a Packers fan, you're watching this, that is not a knock on him. I'm just not going to use the word elite lightly. But he is an ascending cornerback who would not surprise me. I use that term on in the near future. Uh, this season, especially the last month, has been really excellent for him. So I do think it's Adam Thielen. And what do we see when uh, Adam Thielen faces tough coverage? Well, throw to Jefferson. So this could be one of those weeks with Kevin King looking unlikely. I mean, he has a quad injury. I don't think he gets on the field. So that's uh, uh, Josh Jackson on the other side. Uh, that's that's a good matchup for for J 
Justin Jefferson. I, I, I like it, actually. So when we drop down into the fives, we're looking for opportunity. And that's what Gio Bernard would present if Joe Mixon is going to be sitting out once again. Melvin Gordon can see an uptick against his former team. Jarek is in a position where if you don't believe in Jamichael Hasty, could end up, I mean, he just had basically a bye week himself to re- recharge the batteries. <laughs> He's $5,700 against Seattle. You know that he can be used in the passing game. There's probably going to be a lot of passing. I'm more looking down at the bottom. Miles Gaskin at 52 you can run. I mean, David Montgomery couldn't, but he can't really run against anyone. But Gaskin's going to get work on the ground. He's going to get work in the passing game. He feels relatively game script agnostic right now. At least he did when Fitz was at quarterback. Do you anticipate this changing much with Tua back there? I, I don't. And yeah, David Montgomery just can't do anything. Um, the, the one saving grace for David Montgomery, and it's more of a season-long fantasy sa- football saving grace than a than a uh, DFS saving grace is that nobody else is going to touch the ball. Like sure. Cordero Patterson has a couple carries, big deal. Ryan Nall plays a snap or two. So he has no competition, but he's just a guy. Whereas Miles Gaskin has shown he can be a little bit more than just a guy, especially in the passing game. And that's where you really, I, I think you hit the nail on the head agnostic to the game script. If they're losing, he's going to get catches out of the backfield. If they're winning, they'll run the rock. It's two a time. Is this going to be one of those exciting debuts? Perhaps. I, I, I don't know, but I, I do know they're going to try and keep getting the ball in his hands. Funny stat from uh, Miami, though. Jordan Howard is still among the league leaders in goal line carries with eight, and he hasn't played in a long time. <laughs> but um, otherwise, Jordan Howard, that, that's pretty remarkable what he was able to do in, in his short time with the Dolphins this season. Uh, either way, I, I do like Gaskin, and honestly, I'm cheap on defense. I've been punting the heck out of defense this year. Miami, not too bad of a stack play with Gaskin if you're going to punt at defense. Yeah, potentially so. Uh, it just depends on, I don't know, can they stop the run, I guess is the problem, because then if the Rams mm-hmm. just come at you with a three-headed monster, if Cam Akers ever sees the field, that you can't actually play any of the Rams running backs on DraftKings, or at least with no confidence. Uh, you're just kind of hoping to hit Rams running back roulette, which is never a great strategy to try to play, but it does feel like a team you can run on. You don't really want to hit the corners uh, on the outside against Miami, do you? They're, these two defenses are kind of similar structured very similarly except Miami doesn't have Aaron Donald yeah that's that's spot on uh Xavier Howard is playing pretty good football I mean the one knock on him is he's giving up a, a lot of yards per catch 18 yards per catch but he's only giving up two catches per game so you know it's a give and take there uh, and that's a little bit tough for for Robert Woods I, I think Nick Needham in the slot is, is who you go after so it could be a little bit of a better Cooper Cup day they move their receivers around but on the other side the trio of Rams uh, corners have been excellent, and it's really interesting. There's so much misconception about Jalen Ramsey. This guy has not shadowed since week one, okay? So if you think he's going to shadow Devon- Devontae Parker, I think that's a stretch. I-, I really don't think that's what we see play out. Typically, in three wide sets, he kicks to the slot. They're not um, they're not tracking, traveling with, with opposing wideouts, so I wouldn't expect that to happen this week. But that doesn't mean it's a good matchup for Parker. It's really tough across the board against the Rams secondary. Do they have the best secondary in football, at least in terms of the corner position? Yeah, it's one of the best. I'm trying to run through them in my head here quickly. Chargers? I mean, you think of, yeah, well, the Chargers, it's it's interesting. They've been sort of operating a little shorthanded, too. But Desmond King has been just fine. Like, he technically opened the season as their four. He's allowing six yards per catch. Casey Hayward is doing his Casey Hayward things. 
I think that the, the 49er secondary is really interesting as well, but they have a weak link. I mean, the, on the outside, Mosley and then Jason Verrett. I'm so glad this dude is staying healthy. If they had Sherman on the field, it'd be maybe a different story. Yeah, I mean, the Rams right now across the board, maybe not uh, – none of those guys are quote-unquote elite guys, but every single one of them is rock solid. And, and again, not a knock on, on Ramsey. He's playing good football, but rock solid. And then, yeah, having Aaron Donald – having a pass rush like that, Leonard Floyd, I mean, it just makes a difference for the corners as well, helps them out. So if we try to pay down, like a lot of people did last week, very successfully at running back, the options that are presented to us, we're probably not going to know until Sunday, but it does appear like Mark Ingram is going to be out, thank God. Uh, That leaves Gus Edwards, that leaves J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson to steal touchdowns, Patrick Ricard to steal touchdowns, and maybe like, I don't know, Justice Hill will end up active for this game. Do you have a lean? (laughs) Like, are any of these guys trustworthy enough? Because it feels like Dobbins will get the most run, but Gus Edwards will potentially get all the goal line touches. Yeah, I mean, I would just be searching for explosive upside, which is Dobbins, but we have to remember who's on the other side of the football. One of the best run defenses in the NFL and in the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, 3.3 yards per carry is what opposing running backs are averaging against that defense. So, and also, you know, we're, we're looking at very few rushing attempts by running backs against the Steelers. So, I don't know if I'd be overly optimistic at paying down there. If I was going to, it'd be Dobbins, but I, I really don't love it. Hmm. Trying to think about who else. Let's say that Carlos Hyde is active. You probably don't want to play him at $5,100, but let's say he's inactive. Then you're left with Travis Homer, who still may or may not play. And then you got DJ Dallas, who's super cheap. Could you just play DJ Dallas if he ends up being the last man standing, knowing that he might get involved in the passing game as well, which could be a huge boost against San Francisco? Well, if he's the last man standing, I don't care who he's facing. <laughs> uh, actually, just uh, earlier today, I had on my SiriusXM radio show, Adam Kaplan, who spoke to the Seahawks. Uh, he said that, you know, despite what Pete Carroll may be saying, it doesn't look promising, certainly doesn't look promising for Chris Carson. I don't think anybody expected Carson to play, but it doesn't look particularly promising for Carlos Hyde either. So far from a lock here. I would not expect Homer to play with the knee contusion. So, yeah, they don't have anybody else. You know, they're in a really tough predicament. But DJ Dallas could see a ton of work, and it really just comes down to he's so cheap, he doesn't really need that much to, to reach value, and, and he's going to get volume that ordinarily you'd pay a lot more for. So, yeah, he's a very appealing play. I think in the 4,000s, though, we got to throw it out there, Pat. You get the instant revenge game for Le'Veon Bell, and I was actually surprised he played 17 snaps last week, and he ripped off two longer runs where he actually looked like Le'Veon Bell. I was very surprised by that, pleasantly so, but I'm not going to go as far. I know some people may you know, get a little cute here and throw him in some lineups. I'm not going to go that far, but... It's going to be a fun one to watch, at least for sure. Played 33% of snaps last week. Without, I don't think you can really glean too much from that game where they jumped yeah. up so large, mainly off defensive scores where the offense just wasn't on the field a bunch. Maybe get Bell acclimated. I don't think you can play him. I mean, you can play him on DraftKings if you want. It's your lineup. I wouldn't <laughs> play him on DraftKings. What I will be doing is betting Le'Veon Bell anytime touchdown. Yeah, I like that. I do like that. I mean, I know that the revenge factor is kind of stupid, but at the same time, 
I think that running back becomes the easiest position to do this at, where the coach will say, hey, you just left this team. Let's get you a touchdown against your old team because they're on the team that's favored by 20 points. If we have a carry <laughs> from the one-yard line, like, hey, j- just go have it. I think it would ingratiate you to your new team and your new player. Be like, hey, I'm really a part of this team. They're helping me out here. Get revenge on my old team. The revenge narrative thing, I always make the joke of it because basically if you look close enough at every NFL game, there's somebody who has the revenge game in every game. And a lot of times it's it's a false narrative. Like, uh, you know, the, the Bills play the Panthers and it's a Sean McDermott revenge game. Like, how dare you let me leave and become a head coach, have one of only 32 jobs in the world. It's not a revenge game, right? But in this instance, like, this is kind of legit revenge. Like, he had a very uh, unceremonious departure from the team. Obviously, a big time falling out there. And wouldn't it just be uh, so sweet to see him get in the end zone against Adam Gase? And and I, I don't know. I, I buy at least the narrative there, even though I make fun of it usually. Well, the big thing, too, is that running back is the one position where you can actually affect this at. Like, if it's a receiver, yeah. it doesn't mean you're just going to overly target a guy who's covered. But you can put in a running back on the one-yard line and give him the ball. That actually makes sense. Yeah. So... Let's talk receivers. And since I have you on the show, I want to do, we talked a little bit about the corner matchups. Are there specific corners that you would go out of your way to avoid? Like who are the actual elite corners? Because I think that some cornerbacks in terms of like shadowing or matchups kind of get overrated based off name value because no one knows where fantasy players at least know the names of all five receivers and the backup backup tight end on each team they could name you both starting cornerbacks on every single team or even like the third one that name value goes a long way into making these guys quote-unquote good or guys to avoid who are the actual like five best lockdown corners going right now oh man five or you, I, you, I you don't you don't some. need to list them in any order like you maybe... might reach five well i think we're gonna see two if not three of them on monday night so James Bradbury, in his time with Carolina, there were times where he looked fantastic. And there were times where he didn't. And sometimes I'll chalk that up to younger corners who are learning the position. You know, I'm not, you know, I look at some of these young guys, Jeffrey Okuda, Jeff Gladney, guys who are getting torched this year. They're rookies. Like, it's a hard position to play in the NFL. For, you know, everyone, Jalen Johnson, who excels in his rookie season, there are a dozen of the guys who struggle, even if they're premium picks. So I don't write them off immediately. And we saw, you know, James Bradbury flash. This year, it's not just flashing. Like, this actually looks like a really good signing for the New York Giants. Uh, He's been excellent. And I think with Chris Godwin out, he'll be on Mike Evans. So definitely, if you're playing the Monday night contest, if you're playing a a slate that, that goes to Monday night, the full slate, then, yeah, I'm going to avoid that matchup right there. On the other side, Carlton Davis is really the guy who immediately came to mind, though. And another player who struggled early in his career and now has gotten much better to the point where I think he's one of the better shadow corners in the league. And people need to take notice of that. We saw Darius Slayton get completely blanketed by Darius Slay, who maybe not top five, but he's, he's a guy who I definitely we have to keep track of. But last week, almost non-existent in that game. Now he'll get Carlton Davis, almost non-existent. But last week, okay, we see Sterling Shepard did all right. Let's go after uh, Sterling Shepard this week. No, no, thank you. Jamel Dean on the other side is maybe better than Carlton Davis. He's just not getting the pub right now. Uh, so I don't want to go after that. Secondary is awesome. Sean Murphy Bunting even, who was getting destroyed in his rookie season, turns a corner, now is a really good corner for them as well. 
that defense is set up, man. That defense, we, we look at the offense for Super Bowl purposes. That defense is made for a Super Bowl, though. Uh, so those guys would stand out. We talked about Jair Alexander. He would stand out uh, as one of the better corners in the league. And then, you know, I, I keep going back to Jason Verrett. When he was with the Chargers, they were using him as a true shadow corner, and he just couldn't stay healthy. A series of unfortunate, you know, unlucky injuries but he's staying healthy this year for San Francisco and, you know, just doing a phenomenal job. He's the real deal. Not enough, not enough people know about him. Uh, I would have him on the list and maybe Tredavious White as well as another guy who I have to throw out there getting Josh Norman for that team. Now, Josh Norman is not what he used to be, but that's actually a perfect spot for him. He gets to play opposite a much better corner at this point in his career. And that's, kind of what the bills needed you know you have trey white to lock down to number one and then now you have josh norman on the other side good enough to hold the number two in check we actually saw earlier in the season they used those two to shadow on the outside so they were traveling with the outside receivers that allows some flexibility for that defense it's a nice thing to have are there any quarter or cornerbacks right now you think that are overrated based on name value like for example is patrick peterson good anymore well Patrick Peterson shadowed uh, DK Metcalf, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So sometimes what you'll see is uh, cloud coverage will be used. So you're shifting the safeties to uh, hopefully prevent a wide receiver taking the top off your defense like DK can do. Uh, or, you know, if it's a receiver who's going to see heavy volume, we've seen it used at other times. Like Michael Thomas has seen cloud coverage in the past and, and he's not a take the top off the defense type of receiver. But um, yeah, I do think that at this point, Patrick Peterson, he, he's name brand recognition, but not necessarily the player he once was. Not a bad player, not a bad player at all, but not the lockdown corner clamps that he used to be. But, you know, Russ avoided his coverage, though, because it was obvious. Okay, you're not going to give me that, but you're going to give me Tyler Lockett. I'm going to throw Tyler Lockett 20 targets in this game, which almost sounds impossible, but it's exactly what we saw happen. And um, that can be a factor as well. So sometimes it's not even just the play of the corner that causes the uh, quarterback to avoid the coverage. It's just that there's a better matchup elsewhere. Uh, I do think that had something to contribute to Chase Claypool's Houdini disappearing act. He got shadowed by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is not an elite corner by any means, not even close. Really wasn't even when he was with New England in his heyday, but it was the matchup. Jonathan Joseph or Malcolm Butler? If you're Ben Roethlisberger, who are you going after? Chris Jackson or Malcolm Butler? Who are you going after? I'm going after the other corners, especially Jonathan Joseph. And that's really what contributed to that big day for Deontay Johnson. So, by the way, I don't think the book is written on Chase Claypool. And now all of a sudden he's just gone. I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be more of a week-to-week thing with that Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver core. Okay. The last tandem I guess at corner I want to talk about because they were banged up for a while and we saw this last year and even two years ago that the Saints defense hasn't been good for like the first eight weeks like each of the past three years and then sometime at like basically mid-season they just turn into an elite unit all of a sudden are Jenkins and Lattimore still really good are they people we should be avoiding the thing with Lattimore is that he can turn around seemingly any week, as you noted, but I'm not worried about that. Now, the unfortunate thing is I, I don't see how Allen Robinson clears the protocol. Um, I could be wrong on that one, but usually a Monday night concussion doesn't bode well for playing the next week. Uh, and technically, it really wasn't even announced that he was in the protocol until yesterday, I believe. So if he didn't enter the protocol until Wednesday, 
it's almost impossible to get through all the steps before game time. So this week, not a matchup that I think we really can take that much advantage of, unless you want to take me up on that Darnell Mooney thing. But I don't think this year is their year. Um, and I don't think this is a year where they turn the corner, just based on what we've seen on the field. Lattimore has given up a touchdown. It feels like almost every game he's giving up a receiving touchdown. And Jenkins has some of those, those uh, old habits that creep up that cause him to get beat. You know, he's, I mean, he's a ball hawk. That's what he is. And, and in some instances, that can be a good thing, but not this year. Uh, so I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm not as worried about those guys. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them on the same, even close to the same level as their divisional opponent, the Buccaneers. That, that duo is much more intimidating, even though they're not household names compared to Lattimore and Jenkins, who are. Uh, if you want to find the entire shadow index to find out how people have done so far this year, go to ftndaily.com, go under the tools, find shadow index, and use code mail. Get yourself a discount for all of the great information that's up there. Wide receivers for week eight. Devontae Adams is finally properly priced as by far the most expensive receiver, especially with DeAndre Hopkins off this slate. I have my eyes locked in on DK Metcalf, though, at $7,500. He was the insanely popular choice last week, although all the sort of metrics pointed to Tyler Lockett in that matchup against a team that really tries to take away the deep ball uh, and the deep play threats. And then all of a sudden, you have Tyler Lockett, who gets to have man coverage on him, and he can just run routes better than everyone else. When you look at the San Francisco defense in the secondary, like we talked about, it's kind of the opposite of Arizona. They're really good, but they do allow a lot of deep ball to get behind them and that's where dk metcalf is going to get his bones yeah i don't mind it i don't mind it i i do think that lockett has the better matchup though you know if you're talking he he's primarily in the slot going up against jamar taylor i, I like that jamar taylor's given up 16 yards for catch that's a big number for a slot corner you don't typically see numbers that high because they're you know they're dealing with the short and intermediate I don't mind DK. I also think that Devontae Adams is worth paying up for when you consider who is Minnesota even starting at corner? Like Cameron Dantzler is now on COVID-19 and he was their best corner. I mean, not, not good. You know, Jeff Gladney, who I mentioned earlier is really struggling. Holton hand or Holton Hill uh, is not playing. I mean, hand from temple. I I'm a temple guy. I didn't even know who he was. You know, I, I it's, it's just a bad situation at corner. I think he's going to just absolutely torch them. I mean, 8,800 is a lot to pay, but you can, like we said, Pat, like if you pay down at running back, you can get some flexibility there. Uh, he should absolutely smash in this one. You're going to have the, the problem is the price tag. If you do pay yeah. up to $8,800, I don't like paying that much. I don't like to pay elite running back prices for wide receivers. Like if this was Christian yeah. McCaffrey at $8,800 and he was peak Christian McCaffrey, then you pay it every single week. It'd be a discount at that point. Devontae Adams, just because there's a capricious nature to wide receivers, Devontae Adams isn't going to smash every single week. Just because that's how wide receivers work. Like some weeks it's going to be like, you know, six for 88, no touchdowns. Great week, not worth paying 8,800. At least with McCaffrey, you would get, you know, he'd lock him in for 25 touches. I mean, even if he doesn't score a touchdown, he can probably still get 3x value on those sort of touches. That's why I don't love paying up. Plus, like I mentioned, I think that there's going to be like severe inclement weather in this game. And if the Packers are a giant favorite, if Adams doesn't eat early, he might not eat at all because I don't think the Packers are going to have to do much to win this game. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility for sure. I mean, the Packers outside of the Bucks game have looked like the real deal this year. And we know that they are willing to lean on that run game. So I, I feel you there. 
I, I just I, I get you know just so fired up when the matchup is that juicy on the other side that uh, I, I'm gonna I think running him out there makes a little bit of sense. I mean the ownership is really gonna be the key here though. Uh, being on the right side of ownership, <laughs> ownership's going to be really high. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I actually want to be overexposed to him. But I'm going to have a lineup or two on him just because uh, I just I love the volume. I love the matchup, and and I think he could still even eat in a in a game where they run away. That's why I like Metcalf here because I just yeah. Metcalf is more expensive than Lockett. Lockett is coming off a good game. Everyone used Metcalf over Lockett last week. It just points to low ownership. In my, I'll, I'll check out Kyle's ownership projections as we get in later in the week, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe people are having the same thought as me, but I think people will go and look and see the red number next to DK Metcalf's name and be like, yeah, you know, I can find cheaper options than this. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and um, Kyle does have, I don't have the exact numbers. I was looking at him this morning, but does have the, um, does have Lockett way ahead in ownership over DK Metcalf. Of course, if you want those, you can go check them out at fpndaily.com. I, I mean, I can, I can, I can uh, find those right now. Also, just see what Lockets are at at the moment. I mean, they, they get updated all the way up through game time. So let's see. Lockett is currently at 17%. That is the first run of projections. And that leaves Metcalf at 13%. So it's close, but you know there's still a gap uh, if you do believe in that. And like I said, when you think about like where San Francisco can be exploited, I just don't think anyone's stopping Seattle is sort of the thing. I think this is a fun stackable game because of the cheap options on the San Francisco side of the ball. Like, do you just play Ayuk with no Debo around? I think you can. I, I certainly think you can. Uh, you're, you can throw on... Seattle, we've seen it. You can't really run on Seattle. So it sets up really well. 375 net passing yards per game allowed. And, and then when you look at, at the corners, you know, you're talking about Shaquille Griffin on one side, Quentin Dunbar on the other side. Dunbar allowed a touchdown against Arizona. Griffin's allowed five on the season. It sets up really well. And then on top of it, the beauty to Ayuk, now he's not going to be a high-volume guy. But he doesn't need the high volume. Like he, he's the type of player who can give you an entire week's worth of fantasy production in only four or five catches, four or five touches, I guess I should say, because he can run the ball as well. So athletic. Um, yeah, I, I think paying down for him makes a lot of sense, especially if you're trying to stack up on that game. Do you, or do you just say, hey, if you want a DK Metcalf, and that, that Seattle stack is going to be ultra expensive, just say, screw it, I'll play Kendrick Bourne at 3500 bucks and just hope to get lucky. They do use him in the red zone. They do. Um, I feel the, the, the hesitation and the frustration for me is every time I, I go with the born, uh, he does not do anything. And then every time I'm like, yeah, fade him. He scores. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think having some exposure to him is, is ideal, but I really think that Ayuk is the, the direction here as opposed to potentially paying up at tight end with Kittle. Uh, I'd rather, I, I think there's other options this week, especially given some of the injury situations that you can actually get some good deals at, at tight end. So I, I think Ayuk is probably the direction I'd go. So you had mentioned Jefferson. He comes in at $6,500. This entire $6,000 range is very appealing to me. The problem is you can't play all of them in your roster unless you do play the cheapest defense, the cheapest tight end, and take one like really bad punt wide receiver to fill out your flex or something like that. So you have A.J. Brown, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, who's down to $6,700 against the Jets. Kenny Galladay, Tyler Boyd, 
Jefferson, Cup, Robert Woods, Keenan Allen at $6,200. I mean, how many targets does this guy have to average a game to get a price bump? I don't know. You got Marquise Brown, and then Debo's obviously out, and Beckham's obviously out before that. Then it goes into Jamison Crowder at $5,800, who returned to practice today on a limited basis, but he's no lock to play. Brashad Perriman is still in concussion protocol. The only reason I bring up, uh, I throw Crowder into that mix is because when I went back and looked through it, Very rarely do you see an underdog this big. There's been 17 instances since 2004 where a team has been an underdog of 14 and a half or more points. In those 17 games, 18 receivers on the underdog team have cracked 100 yards. So it feels like someone on the Jets is going to have a big receiving day. I just got to figure out who it is. Is it Mims? Can Mims have a big day? I thought Mims looked really good last week. You know, it was the first time we got to see him. And the last time I saw him was at the podium at the Combine back in February. And I was like, he's pretty big. <laughs> he's a specimen. And then when he goes out and, and puts up the, the athletic performance, the testing numbers that he does, uh, those things you can't teach. But there were things that he needed to learn coming from the college level a little bit. Um, unrefined. I think that's what, you know, some people had said he could be a first round pick. That's what maybe pushed him down to the second round. But if Prashad Perryman doesn't clear the concussion protocol, he's going to have another big role. He could be very sneaky at his price point, especially, you know, you say you get an Uber cheap wide receiver. Maybe it is him. I'd be maybe inclined to go that direction. Obviously we know Crowder, if he's on the field, Sam Darnold's going to look his way. I think when I look through this though, you know, you mentioned Keenan Allen, the target volume is insane since Justin Herbert has taken over. The only game that he didn't top double-digit targets was the game he got hurt in. So, you know, give him a pass on that one. For this price point, I love it. Um, Marquise Brown, though, is the other really interesting name who I, 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 I don't know. Maybe he's a little broke back for me because I, I don't know how to quit him in DFS. But I'm going to keep going back to it until it works. Here's the thing that I have, though. Joe Hayden. All right, big name. Here's another one. You know, you just ask for big names. People kind of maybe a little intimidated by Joe Hayden. Uh, He has not been particularly good over the last three games. He's allowed two receiving scores and 14 catches, which last I checked is just under five per game. I don't think this is as intimidating of a matchup as a lot of people think it is. And we saw A.J. Brown put up a big number against uh, the Steelers last week. So we know, hey, hey, you want a super high ceiling. Marquise Brown has it. He's very volatile, but he may be worth uh, exposure, especially if you're playing in some you know, big GPPs. Yeah, the, the Ravens-Steelers game is just confounding to me because you look at the Steelers receivers. It does. Deontay Johnson came out today and said he is going to play with this toe injury. Now, can he make it through an mm-hmm. entire game? That uh, we haven't seen in a while, so we'll see. So I have no feel for who to play out of those guys, if any of them. Then you have James Conner in the backfield. No idea with him. Eric Ebron's dealing with an elbow injury. And then on the Ravens' side, we don't know which running back to play, and we know the Steelers' defense is very good, but... You had mentioned the 3.3 yards per carry on the ground that the Steelers give up, and their pass defense is quite good, but in every single game, just watching the Steelers, they give up one or two gigantic plays every single game. Yeah, the Miles Sanders play, that one's still uh, but, but you have Miles, weir- but, the weirdest play. You have Miles you know, Sanders, A.J. Brown, you have Fulgham had a huge game. Yeah. Like, it just it's one guy every week seems to kill them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I can certainly see it happening again. You know, the AJ Brown thing was a little bit surprising too because he didn't didn't actually lead the Titans in targets. Corey Davis did. He just was you know big play after big play. And and yeah, if there's a player who's capable of it on the uh, Ravens side, 
It is Marquise Brown. I'm waiting for it to the other shoe to sort of drop here and us get that sort of signature game. Maybe this is the one. Maybe it isn't, but I'm going to have exposure to him regardless. Oh, well, I'm just getting a news update. Good thing I'm on the internet right now. Julian Edelman, absent from practice and is expected to miss some games, according to his source. I don't know if Nikhil Harry has passed concussion protocol either. Do you have any interest in any Patriot at this point? No, not, not at all, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's including season-long fantasy football. Uh, Cam Newton maybe in two quarterback leagues, but the problem is they – uh, maybe it's it's tough because I, I I was gonna say they look like the worst passing offense, but then my mind flashed to Dallas. And it's like, well, I don't know if we can say worse, but one of the worst. They just have no ability to move the ball. Julian Edelman looked like you know totally toast uh, with the injury. It's probably wise that he takes some time off here. But who do they have? I mean, we we're really relying on Jacoby Myers. We're relying on a converted college quarterback. We're relying on Demir Bird. These are our best targets. Ryan Izzo, I mean, this is it. There's nothing there. There's nothing there at all. It's unfortunate, but that downfall happened quickly. And you know what? It's not even on just on the offensive side. On the defensive side of the ball, their linebackers, I mean, I'm, I I ran track in college. That was a long time ago. I think I maybe have – I could have a step on those guys. They really look like they're moving in mud. Of course, they're faster than me, but they didn't look fast on the NFL field. And that really – that was the strong suit. You go in and you say, okay, the defense, right? Well, the defense has given up eight yard, 8.5 yards per passing attempt. The defense now has given up 100-yard rushing games back-to-back, not to marquee names, but to Philip Lindsay and Jeff Wilson. That's not good. Things are unraveling here. Do they unravel enough that they get Trevor, Trevor Lawrence? That would be the Belichick move of all time. I'm trying to think, because Cole Beasley's in this range too, and he matches up really nicely against the Patriots. It, it's it, it's sort of like the uh, the student you know mastering or or te- mastering the teacher or whatever he, he's he's a Belichick receiver right even though he didn't play for Belichick that's that type of receiver that you always associate with his offenses and the volume from Josh Allen is really encouraging I, Allen's going to keep looking at Stephon Diggs but we could see Stephon Gilmore on Diggs the whole game which you know again Gilmore's not as good as he was last year. But it is enough where Josh Allen maybe looks away a little bit. And we, I mean, hey, the last two weeks, we've seen him looking at, at Cole Beasley nonstop. I don't mind him on DK. The way the scoring set up, it's, it's perfect for, for Cole Beasley. Do you have a preference between the Bengals receivers? Because I just play T. Higgins every week. But should I just pair him up with Tower Boyd now? Well, the challenge with T. Higgins is the efficiency has been really good. Five targets last week for him, though. 13 for A.J. Green. 13 for Tyler Boyd. So, that's where I get a little worried. Um, but the question is, who sees Jonathan Joseph most often? And I think based on the way they line up, it actually is T. Higgins this week. So I don't mind Higgins in DFS this week. Tyler Boyd has a nice matchup out of the slot. The problem with Tyler Boyd is if you're expecting like, you know, a uh, eight or nine catch, 180, 200-yard game, those usually aren't in the cards for him based on where he's being targeted on the field. Like last week, you know, it's more like a 10 or 11 catch, but only 100, 110 yards. But if he gets in the end zone, like, how about that touchdown reception? That, that was a thing of beauty out of Joe Burrow. Freaking laser to Tyler Boyd on that touchdown. And, and I think Burrow is going to come out punching again. They're going to get down. But the beauty is he keeps punching out of the corner, keeps, keeps throwing the football. And we've seen that most weeks this season. So I think both of them are good. 
you want like the highest possible ceiling. I feel like that monster T Higgins game is brewing. So yeah, he'd be the higher ceiling play, but both are in play for me. I, I just, there's the two games that I really want the max exposure to. And we'll talk about this when we talk about stacks is that Titans game against the Bengals. And the other one's going to be the Browns game uh, against the Raiders. It, Brian Edwards is back in practice on a limited basis. I think him returning is really a problem for Nelson Aguilar if that happens, if they do insert him back onto the field. But out of that game, of the receivers in the Raiders and the Browns game, which ones can you envision playing? Because, like, you know, Landry's a good price, but do you want to play Higgins? Do you want to play Peoples? Do you want to play Henry Ruggs, potentially, who, what does he have, three catches over 40 yards? And <laughs> that's basically all he's done this season? Yeah, that's what keeps me away from him. Like I said earlier, that you know, they want to run through Waller. They want to run through Josh Jacobs. I, I could see a bigger Jarvis Landry day here. Landry without OBJ on the field really becomes the clear top target. And I know a lot of people are going to chase last week with, with Hollywood Higgins, but it was only six targets. You know, yes, six for 110, but only six targets. Where did the targets go to? The targets went to the tight ends. And Austin Hooper is – I can't see him getting back with the appendectomy this week. So, I uh, believe it or not, if I'm going to attack this game, it's really n- maybe not with the wide receivers. It's Darren Waller, as I said earlier, and then Harrison Bryant. I'm not going to mess with David Njoku. Harrison Bryant's been used all season. They you know, have worked him in. They really like what they had with him. Small schooler who really impressed at the small school level and then showed he's able to play with the big boys. So I, I think that that's really the direction I would go in. If I'm not attacking the running backs here, which I am, but I'm also going to attack the uh, the tight ends. So in this $4,000 level, I think you can go to, if you want to take a GPP shot, Ruggs would be one of them. I think Mikko Hardman would be the other one against the Jets. This just feels like a game where he catches two 80-yard touchdowns because the Jets aren't stopping anybody. Or you take a bit of the safety and try to chase targets like you were talking about. Zach Pascal just keeps getting targets every single week. And this is a nice matchup against the Lions. It is. And the the play of uh, T.Y. Hilton kind of helps things. Ordinarily, you know, years past, I would say, wow, T.Y. Hilton this week. I love him, but he hasn't really done enough this season for me to say I, I even like him. You know, two, he had 10 targets two games ago, so there was at least that. But you're right. Zach Pascal at, at such a, a cheap price. I know people are looking at Marcus Johnson, who literally came up off the practice squad last week. But, you know, you're, it's the quiet play of Zach Pascal, which will cause his ownership will be low. A sneaky play here, definitely in this in this contest against the Lions. So three, or sorry, four $3,000 range wide receivers if you have to pay down. Try to rank these guys for me. You have Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who everyone hates now, but you just talked about this matchup <laughs> with Minnesota. If the weather's not bad... Maybe at $3,800, you can get back involved with him. You have Demarcus Robinson, who is the cheapest piece of this Chiefs game, if you want. And we talk about Mims and Bourne already. Between those four, unless you have someone else in the 3K range, those four seem like, you know, not consistent, but all like upside options to score touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and I throw Mooney in there as well. I I'm, I sort of like half joke there, but I, I do buy in on that. The thing about Valdez-Scantling that, if there is appeal from a touchdown standpoint, he's being targeted heavily downfield. Uh, you know, he's seeing those, those big uh, deep ball targets, the 20 plus yard targets. So that helps him out. But I think if I'm going to uh, play one of them, uh, Mims would probably be the top one. 
based on the game script that we talked about earlier. Uh, after that, I'm not going to, I probably have Bourne at the bottom, to be honest with you. I, I get the play, but I probably put him at the bottom. MVS probably be second. Uh, who was the other player that we had there? Oh, Robinson. I agree with you. Hey, McCall Hardman and Robinson in that one. Sneaky. And a lot of people are looking at the last two games for the Kansas City Chiefs and saying, well, hey, Patrick Mahomes, he's just the, the old season long. He just isn't getting it done for me. He played in rain and snow <laughs> the last two weeks. Last week, he had a defensive score and a special team score. I don't think we can draw anything from the last two weeks. So, yeah, I, I buy in on the passing game this week in, in this contest. And I'm hoping the Jets can make at least somewhat of a game of it so that we can just keep running the score up. Uh, better value at tight end. George Kittle or Darren Waller? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, 7,000 versus 5,600. Yeah. It's Waller, but Kittle at that price point isn't completely outlandish, I would say, because we know what he's capable of. We know he's capable of double-digit catches, 150 yards, two or three touchdowns, which would more than justify paying up. But I typically, you know, I find myself in builds, even if I try and find a way to get him in, I almost never like the build. So, uh, and I, I have a couple builds with Waller right now where I do really like them. So I, I would say the Waller's the better value. Okay. So if we're actually going to, it's just so hard to pay up for a tight end. I think if you use Kittle, yeah. you almost have to use Jimmy G along with him Ugh. just because you need Kittle to break that price and break the slate if you're going to pay that much. And if he does break the slate, then you're probably going to want the guy throwing him the ball unless he scores some sort of weird rushing touchdown, which is not inconceivable on the San Francisco 49ers. Probably not going to go with Andrews. Probably not going to go with Kelsey. It's just, it's a lot of money and it's hard to predict who on, unless you're playing the Kelsey Hill Mahomes stack and bringing it back with Mims or something like that. It's hard just to get to him as a one-off. So for one-off tight ends in the 4K range, in the bottom of the 4K range, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith coming off the bad game and now in a great matchup. Doesn't seem like anyone wants to play him. I feel like I would go back to Jonu. Yeah, I actually wrote that up. Uh, Cincinnati's the number two fantasy matchup for opposing tight ends. So I think Jonu bounces back. And you bring up Hunter Henry. So he got Gesicki last week. And if you're not familiar with that term, uh, Gesicki, here's what happens. You're watching Red Zone or whatever. You, you see that your tight end, the team with your tight end scored. It's the tight end in the end zone. But it's not your guy. It's the other guy. And for Gesicki a couple weeks ago, it was both other guys. And then for Hunter Henry last week, it was both other guys. But he did see seven targets in that game. One of those other guys is now injured, uh, Virgil Green. So he's not going to be playing. I, I do like Hunter Henry as well. I like the price point. And, and really, you know, we haven't had that quote-unquote signature game from him yet. So both of those guys are in the mix, though, for sure. Uh, John R. Smith, especially with his red zone work, I, I you know, Ferkser is going to be used. They were using him all along. It's just we now know who Ferkser is because of the big game with John who hurt, but I'm not really worried about his presence in that offense. So the $3,000 guys I was looking at Trey Burton, it looks like Mo Ali Cox may not play once again. And Burton smashed for everyone last time. He's still only $3,500 against the lions. Seems pretty good. Uh, Harrison Bryant, who you mentioned is still $3,200. Then you have Irv Smith down at $3,000. Basically you need a touchdown from these guys. It does seem like Bryant, if Hooper sits again, not in Joku will be the primary focus in the red zone. Although they both caught touchdowns last week, but then you have Trey Burton. And I can't figure out which one's going to be the more popular one. That was the thing. 
Yeah, I yeah I, I agree with you. I'm I'm looking as well at Gerald Everett in case uh, Tyler Higby uh, is still banged up here. But we did see Johnny Munt doing his best Tyler Higby impersonation in that game, so maybe that's not the best play at uh, 3,700. I think it's going to be pretty close between Trey Burton and and um, Harrison Bryant, but. You know, if you want to really kind of squeeze every last penny out of your lineup, then then Bryant is the slightly better option because he's three hundred dollars cheaper, and that that could mean the difference between absolutely worse defense and maybe the Dolphins, like I said, or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I I do like Trey Burton just in general, and I'm glad that we're finally seeing him used the way he should be used. We had thought that this was going to be the way he was used when he go to, went to the Bears, and it really never came to fruition there. But now Frank Reich apparently really likes him, and he has a quarterback who historically loves throwing to his tight ends, and he's the number one guy there. You know, he's more dynamic than Jack Doyle, who's a catch-and-fall-down guy. Mo Alley-Cox, was, it was cool that that was a thing for a minute because his name's fun to say, but otherwise it's Burton. I would lean Bryant, though. Uh, you mentioned Big Irv. I think that's, a, that's an interesting pivot. If you didn't want to go Bryant, you, you save yourself $200 more, and they're, they run a ton of 12 personnel. And Irv has been more involved like before their bye. The last two games before their bye, they really started to use him more. I think they know what they have now. The team has also been rumored to try. They, they want to trade uh, Rudolph. It's just teams aren't that interested in Rudolph, so they're probably going to be stuck with him. But Irv's their future, and I think their future really is starting now, so continue to see him more involved. The last one, now that this Edelman news has come out that no one is playing, you can see where I'm going with this, and potentially no Nikhil Harry. Ryan Izzo is $2,500. It's a punt. It's a punt. Somebody's got to catch the football. I mean, they're not going to have zero passing yards, right? They can't have zero. I mean, it's on. it seems after watching them last week, it's on the table at least. <laughs> It is on the table. Negative passing yards is potentially on the table as well. Uh, I don't mind it. You know, I, I really don't mind it. I, I don't think he's going to have that much ownership, even with the, the Edelman news. So it's a creative play to free yourself up a little bit here. And he has been clearly the top guy. You know, that's not saying that much in that offense right now, but. Uh, maybe if there is a piece of New England, he'd be the piece this week. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a pure punt, like he's the min, he's $2,500. If you want to jam in all the top guys, just pray that he can end up in the end zone. It was almost like when people played Harrison yeah. Bryant last week. They got more than they expected out of him, but just falling into the end zone was all they were hoping for out of Harrison Bryant, and he delivered. If you can get that out of Izzo, and it's not like the Bills' defense is great. It's not. No, uh, but they do have Matt Milano is really good at covering tight ends. So that, he's one of the better cover linebackers in, in the league. So earlier in the season when he wasn't playing, they were giving up points to the position. So that's just something to note. When you look at fantasy points allowed, a lot of times people just look at it in, in a vacuum and don't consider the context of the players who are on the field. So just remember that one there with, when, if you're ever looking at those sorts of things, it's, it's definitely dependent on, who's actually covering. And if you get a guy out there who can't cover, well, yeah, of course the tight ends are going to uh, just going to absolutely burn them. I find that's the most difficult one when you look at fantasy points per position is because mm -hmm. it doesn't factor in the quality of tight end that maybe some of these teams have played against either. Like maybe someone just ended up with a very easy schedule of a team that doesn't emphasize a tight end. So therefore they don't give up points to tight end. And it's also really skewed to touchdowns. Like I've talked ad nauseum on my podcast, on my radio show, 
tight end scoring in fantasy football is broken and tight end premium doesn't fix the problem. The problem comes down to this. Say we have tight end A, he goes three for 32. He scores 6.2 DK points, right? Tight end B goes three for 32 and a touchdown, which Jared Cook did last week, by the way. He scores 12.2 DK points. So he basically doubled up the other guy by pretty much having the same exact game. That's that that's silly. You know, that's absolutely silly. And it really slants things when you look at, at fantasy points allowed. If you look at fantasy points scored, it slants things. The position's broken. It's not as bad as fantasy defense. That scoring system is antiquated. It's based on an era when we used to read newspapers and write down in a you know notebook what fantasy scores were. It's all slanted to touchdowns, which is silly because it has nothing to do with defense whatsoever. And that's where we are. Eventually, we'll fix the system, but we're kind of stuck with it for now quarterbacks this week uh, we've been talking about a lot of pay up options at different positions a few pay downs but it seems like quarterback is where you can save some money you could pay up for Lamar Jackson I did notice that at $7,400 good price for Lamar Jackson if he has a Lamar Jackson type of game but if you look at Pittsburgh so far this season uh, if we call guys let's call them I don't know real quarterbacks uh, Watson Wentz and Tannehill they played three good quarterbacks so far they've also played the Giants Denver and Cleveland so in the Giants Denver and Cleveland game they're giving up 15 DraftKings points per game to the position against the three other quarterbacks over 26 DraftKings points per Mm. game mainly based off a lot of those big plays that have happened. But with the amount of pressure that Pittsburgh brings on the opposing quarterback, that's usually really good for Lamar Jackson. That's where his rushing yards come from. It's not really on the designed runs anymore. If they are bringing pressure, he's going to escape the pressure. Then he's going to take off down the field. I think you could play Lamar Jackson by himself if you wanted to. Yeah, or you could stack him with Marquise Brown. I don't mind that at all. I, and I agree with you here. You know, we've seen some of those explosive runs, the run, the run against Philly, the long touchdown run. What, what Lamar is so good at on those plays is really identifying where on the field downfield is the, is the space. And, and normally most players aren't fast enough to get to that space, but he is. So he can get to that space and the defense is just on their heels and, and they, you know, he, we've seen it. How many, how many long runs is this guy going to rip off this season I, I, I agree. And I think a bigger passing game is coming. We've seen a major dip in his touchdown uh, efficiency, but I don't think that this is just like, you know, this is now what the new normal with Lamar. I think, I still think that there are games that he can have that, uh, you know, the, the Tannehill lines that we're seeing this year, throw for 220, but also four or five touchdowns. That was what Lamar was doing last year. And he still has it in him. So I agree. The price point is really nice at 7,400. So you hit on the key name there. And I think this is the move. Now, whenever I say this is the move, it turns out a disaster. But everyone's going to be stacking Burrow and the Bengals and bringing it back with Derrick Henry. Makes a lot of sense. I'll probably make some lineups that are exactly that method. But if the Bengals sell out to stop Derrick Henry, which I don't know if they can do or not, and really try to limit him, we've seen different circumstances where this has happened this year that it just becomes a Tannehill game. That instead of doing it that way, you go... Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, and then bring it back the other way with Gio Bernard if Joe Mixon sits, or maybe one of the receivers. I don't know. But both of these teams are top 10 neutral pace. Uh, I can expect it to be kind of a boat race. I like Tannehill and the Titans receivers here. You know, what I like about Tannehill as well, it's not never going to be high volume. So, you, you know, you're just, you're hoping for high efficiency, but he has shown it. But what I also like is, 
he's a really good running quarterback. Like that's one of the most underrated, even back when he was with Miami, most underrated aspects of his game. So this is a guy who could also chip in an additional four, five, six points with, just with his legs. He, he chooses the right spots to run and he's got some wheels as well. I think it's a sharp play. I definitely do. And, and especially when the masses are going in one direction, you have to differentiate somehow. And sometimes the, it's this such, it's a, such a, a simple differentiation, right? Just simply look to the other side of that game where everybody's going to be on and differentiate that way. It's a good call out. If you, yeah, if you think this game is going to hit the over, which I think most people do that in the Browns Raiders game, that would you mm-hmm. rather play Derek Carr or Baker or neither? Baker. If I had to choose one, who would you, um, who would I, you I, pair him with? It would be Bryant. It would be Bryant. Pro- yeah. I, and I, it's a shame because I really like Kareem Hunt. I, I rarely will go with that uh, quarterback running back stack. Um, even for a running back like Hunt, who's going to see a lot of pet- catches out of the backfield. I could see Jarvis as well. Um, if it's one of those Jarvis 10 catch games, which could very well happen with no OBJ, I expect to see heavy volume for him. Uh, he would be in play as well. And, and you know, the, the Raiders are weird. So their secondary isn't giving up a lot of yards per catch, but all three of their starting corners are allowing at least a 70% catch rate. So that doesn't that just sound like a Jarvis game? Like he's just going to catch a whole bunch of balls. None of them are going to be for long, but, you know, he ends up with 10 for 115. If he gets in the end zone, all of a sudden he's one of the top plays on the board. Hmm. That's really interesting. Because I'm just trying to figure out who the pay down options are going to be. Because Jimmy G is just below Derek Carr, and like Tua is more expensive than both of them against that defense. That I just should you just I, I did it last week with Kyle Allen uh, in some like deeper leagues, and I tried to make it work in cash games uh, on DraftKings, and it did work out. Like he he got to his value because mm-hmm. he was so cheap. Just stream against Dallas is stream against Seattle exactly the same way. I don't know if it's exactly the same way. And it is a divisional game. You know, granted, the Kyle Allen was divisional, but the, there's a big difference between what's going on in Dallas and what's going on in Seattle. Like, if, if anything, Seattle, you know, they're just continuing to try and improve. I, I don't think Carlos Dunlap does anything for you in the run game necessarily, but they don't need that. They need help in a pass game, so they go out and get a pass rusher. You know, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a direct correlation, uh, but – I could see it. I just feel like every time I pay down for guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, we see we'll see Jamichael Hasty go for 115 and three touchdowns like like Jeff Wilson did last week. So I typically uh, don't pay down that often for those types of guys. Okay. How about if we we'll talk about a few more pay down options though? Okay. Drew Locke against the Chargers. The Chargers give up a surprising amount of fantasy points to quarterbacks. They do. They do. And it's weird because their secondary is pretty good. So it's, it's one of those weird fantasy situations. So Drew Locke looked terrible last week, you know, and, and I'm somebody I've been banging the Tim Patrick drum for a little while here, as opposed to Jerry Judy in season long fantasy football, because Judy's a slot receiver. Tim Patrick is kind of playing the Cortland Sutton role and he's doing a nice job. Now he's a little banged up right now. But I could see a scenario where we get a, a, a decent Drew Locke game. The other thing that can't go overlooked is he loves his tight ends. Last week, Noah Fant and Albert O, Okwe Boonham, uh, both had seven targets. So there's another avenue there as well. Albert O is pretty cheap this week. Now, he didn't play anywhere near as many snaps as Noah Fant, so I don't think I would get that cute. 
But I, you know, I could see Locke. Like, I'm definitely, I don't know if I would pay down for Sam Darnold. Although, if you're saying that, that's that's that, where uh, I would, that's these, where I was going next with this forty eight hundred bucks, forty eight hundred dollars. That's so cheap. Um, Sam, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna you know after this show because I didn't even really think about that. After this show, I I have Mims in a couple lineups. I'm gonna have to go and rearrange things and see. What happens if you put Sam Darnold in? Because 4,800 saves you so much that, you know, we're talking about some of these guys, oh, you can't pay up there because it really kind of shoots you in the foot. Maybe it doesn't if you go that route. And he doesn't have to do that much. This is like, this is a pure garbage time play. If they get down as much as we think they're going to get down, they're going to just be thrown at the end and whatever. Throw the ball around the yard. Maybe you rack up close to 300. If he throws two touchdowns, all of a sudden, there we are. We're probably in good shape. Well, who is your favorite pay down defense of the week? Oh, favorite pay down defense. I mean, I did mention the Dolphins earlier as uh, you know, as a team that stands out, but that's because I selfishly want to stack them. Uh, you know, of course, with Miles Gaskin. I just love the potential volume for him. Um it's probably the, ba- isn't- the Bears or 49ers, I guess would be next. Like, I don't care if the 49ers give up 50 points, like they're gonna be in the backfield against Russ. I, I think Cincinnati as well, it, you know, you can get sacks against Tannehill. So, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get, you know, sacks to generate takeaways. They would potentially be in the mix. Um, yeah. Russ takes a lot of sacks. You're right there. Uh, Cleveland has some upside. The, the corners are a little bit better than people realize too. Uh, so I think that, you know, going after, going after that, cause really, uh, you know, you're trying to, it, it's, it's that little roulette wheel, like, Who's going to score a touchdown out of these defenses? There's the a cheap option. So I'm really trying to look at where, where's the where's the takeaways coming from, uh, and some of those guys stand out. So if you wanted to use Sam Darnold with Mims in the Dolphins defense, and let's let's throw Harrison Bryant in at tight end, you now have seventy three hundred dollars per player left. Wow. Build build a all pro team. Pretty much. Pretty much. Wow. Um, ordinarily you don't have that much flexibility and, and, and this isn't get, these aren't like crazy punts either, you know, really. I mean, well, I guess Darnold, (laughs) maybe a little crazy. Sometimes you have to be a little wily to win the big bucks, but, um, I don't think Mims is that much of a stretch, especially if, if Crowder isn't able to get back on the field, which is still up in the air. If Perryman isn't able to get through the concussion protocol, they're going to throw him the football. And he's, he's a lot to handle with his size. And like I said, he actually did play well. This isn't just a, oh, he's the only guy on the field, so therefore I'm going to play him. He actually did play well last week. Yes, I made that uh, mistake with Jeff Smith one week. Um, he <laughs> did have 11 targets, so they, the volume was there. He's just not good. Neither, is, neither yeah. was Flacco that week. That's the big problem. You know, it's Flacco. Uh, Darnold, from a talent standpoint, is he ever going to be a future standout? Probably not future franchise well, if they are the worst team in the league, then he's going to lose his job. You know, he's going to get the old uh, the old boot here uh, to Trevor Lawrence. But I, I don't think that these are these are that crazy. Like especially Harrison Bryant. I mean, these aren't that that crazy of plays to set up a really strong lineup. Uh, if we do pay up for defense, I'm guessing it's Kansas City against the Jets. You probably don't want to do that in the Sam Darnold lineup that you're playing, unless that's yeah. how you th- unless that's the bring back. You don't bring back any Chiefs except for their defense, and you think all of the scoring just funnels through Sam Darnold. Either he's throwing to Mims for touchdowns or get the Kansas City Chiefs defense for touchdowns. That's how that stack, I guess, would have to work out. Uh, Chargers at 4K. I'm thinking Saints at 34 are probably the best play. 
Yeah, the Chargers especially. Denver is quiet. Like I said, Drew Locke was really bad last week, and they're quietly almost uh, level now with the Jets as the best matchup. So, you know, if you were going to pay up, I, I just – I can't pay up. That's, that's a lot for a defense. You know, I've been punting it pretty much all season long, hoping to guess right. I've yet to do that <laughs> surprise, surprise with defenses, but I, I just can't see – justifying 4,000 on a defense, even, even the, the 3,400 that you mentioned with um, new Orleans, although, Hey man, Nick Foles talk about looking bad as well. You know, he just looked befuddled and you do have some, some pass rusher rushers there for new Orleans who can get after him. So that's all you're really looking for. Get after him early, hammer him early. Hopefully he starts throwing up those Nick Foles rainbows that he throws up and take advantage of it. So if I was going to out of the, the, the three that you mentioned there, they're the no-brainer because they're 1100 cheaper than Kansas City. They're 600 cheaper than the Chargers. Yeah, Broncos at 3000 isn't outrageous either just because the Chargers can't block. Uh, if they get their offensive lineman back, maybe. Um, but if you can get some pressure on Herbert, he's going to have one of these dud games here soon. He doesn't look like he's going to because he's looked amazing so far. But if you get enough pressure in his face, that could work out. I guess if you're going to the pay-down ones... Titans against Cincinnati, if you're not stacking that game with like Burrow and everyone else, like Bur- Burrow's going to throw you the ball a few times. Yeah, yeah, he's going to take some sacks too. You know, he's taking four per game right now. So, again, you know, that at least gives you a little bit of a floor with that play too, on top of hopefully they get down, he starts throwing the ball around, and maybe you get that pick. That's all you're really looking for with that. Just it's all can, you're looking for. Can, can yep. it come through? And the Titans, by and large, I mean, they're generating pressure on 22% of dropbacks. So it's not crazy because Cincinnati gives up so many. Yeah, they, they do. It's unfortunate for Burrow. I really hope they don't uh, David Carr him. <laughs> I don't think that this, I don't think it's necessarily the same exact um, scenario, but he's getting hit way too much. And the challenge there is really it's it's a it's a it's a psychological thing more than it's a physical thing. Obviously, the physical thing's a concern, but when you're just like, man, I'm gonna get just wrecked on this play every play, that does something to you. That you know, hey, me and you, we don't know what that's like, but you know that that messes with you. And there have been players in the past, you know, uh, uh, on that other pregame show which I'm on on Sunday mornings, eight to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Amy Trask, who was a former executive with the Raiders, she's on the show with us. And she talked about how that happened to Jim Plunkett earlier in his career. And it really took some time for him to get past that. So I hope that's not the case with Burrow. But I, I love what we're seeing out of him in terms of the passing. All right. That will do it. Week 8, DraftKings picks. Jeff Radcliffe. Follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Radcliffe. Listen to him every weekday on Sirius at 10 a.m. Eastern Time till noon. And tell everyone about the podcast. Yeah, it's called The Rant. I do it every day. It's a little bit shorter than this show. I try and keep it about, you know, 20 minutes to 30 minutes. I know, hey, if you're going to be listening to Pat, you got you don't have as much time, so you can listen to my show uh, as well. Keep it tight for you there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're just breaking things down as the week goes on. A little bit more geared towards a season-long audience, but we talk DFS and a little bit of sports betting as well. All right, and you can find all Jeff's work up at FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, and FTNBets.com. You want the premium tools that we were talking about? Use code MAYO at each of the sites to get yourself a discount. You want to go find all those. If not, check out the free tools in the description of this video and podcast. Like Jeff mentioned, air yards, opportunity share, offensive line, defensive line, pressure rate, all of that completely free 
at ftndaily.com. Rate and review the podcast. Smash the like button. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network. My pivot plays will be up on FTN Daily over the weekend and the cheat sheet up at dkplaybook.com. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.